Greetings and welcome to Annette Adrift, the story of a cursed knight bound by honor to defend her kingdom from the ancient evil that threatens it. My name is Vigil, and I'll be your guide to the unforgiving realm of Valerius as the knight Aveline fights to forge a new legend. Remember, friends, that to survive this perilous journey, you must move with purpose, guard your soul, and always beware the darkness. What did you get yourself into now? Bell muttered. Whether it was to himself or Faulon, it was difficult for Aveline to tell. The young man's trembling hands were stained red, his strained brow soaked in sweat. After an hour of surgery with needle and thread, the healer and knight finished wrapping bandages around the lancer's small, battered body. When they laid her back on the bed, tiny red flowers bloomed on the white dressings. But still, Aveline was impressed by Bell's skill. Though his hands trembled now, she had few times before seen as steady a stitch. The healer dipped a cloth into a bowl of warm water, then applied it to Fallon's face. You have some talent for this work, Aveline remarked, curious as to Bell's abilities. The healer sighed. She'll pull through. She's as stubborn as they come, and the wound wasn't as deep as it seemed, Bell said. Aveline sat beside the bed, watching Bell scrub away blood and dirt. Her eyelids lulled to drooping by his gentle motions. From a leather satchel at his feet, the sandy-haired youth pulled out a handful of green leaves. He smothered the shimmering plants with the heat of his palms, then mixed them into the bowl of water. He dipped the cloth again and continued his ministrations, whispering to Fallon as he did. And you always said healing was a coward's job. Well, look at us now. I'm the one covered in blood. Bell trailed off, but blushed when he noticed Aveline was listening. A faint grin passed over the knight's lips and eyes before the spark of amusement was snuffed out by exhaustion. Bell looked away in embarrassment. Inside the Guardian's house, a wide single room comprised the main living quarters. The room was warm despite the cold heated by a hearth above which now boiled some medicinal concoction of herbs and water. Ancient wooden slats creaked beneath each footstep, and melting candles stood witness on every surface. One wall of the small space was lined with shelves filled with a hoard of books and scrolls. Two large trunks sat beneath a rack of swords, spears, and shields. The weapons were engraved with the same snarling wolf that adorned Falon's silver shield. Through a dark portal, a small anteroom waited unlit, but the smell of herbs and cured meats hung heavy in the air. Beside the door stood Fallon's silver spear and the blackwood bow salvaged by Aveline from Silent Monticulous. You should sleep. I'll stay up with her, Belle said. Aveline did not respond. 
It was a long moment before his eyes left Falon's face to look at the night. She sat forward, tense and quiet, amid a pile of discarded armor. Her own gauntlets rested beside those of the young lancer. The twisting, arcane sigil tattooed on her left hand was cool and dark. Aveline's eyes remained fixed on the door, as if waiting for a threat from beyond. Belle smirked. Hey, Garvin scares me, but I doubt he'll return tonight. You needn't stand watch. He's too much of a coward to come calling now. It's not Garvin I'm worried about, Aveline replied, her voice dark and foreboding. Gripped tight in white-knuckled hands, the longsword to Randall stood between her restless, bouncing knees. To sit in a chair felt unnatural to the night, and she shifted on the thing's comfortable curves. A breeze whispered into the room and set the candle's flames to flickering, the shadows to dancing. Aveline froze. Her eyes darted toward the nearest wick. She glanced at the sigil on her hand and thought of the elk demon's warning. Would more of its kind appear here? What would happen if they did? Perhaps the mason was right. Perhaps she had already brought more ruin and death to this place, and it but waited in the shadows of night. Well, whatever you're worried about, I doubt a sleepless night will be of much help. Belle mumbled sarcastically. What do you know about it? The knight snapped. She glared at the healer, mouth set in a disapproving line, eyes aflame with ragged paranoia. Bell flinched and threw his red-stained hands up in defense, flashing his nervous smile like a shield as he had with Garvin before. Seeing Bell's fear, Aveline released a short gasp. She sat straight and shook her head, bloodshot eyes glazed over in shame. Perhaps you're right, but I need to stand watch. When was the last time you managed a good night's rest? Bell asked, his voice and gaze steady and warm. I don't know, Aveline admitted. She shook her head in dismay as she considered the day's events, her escape from the void, and the assault on the mountain city of Monticulus. An enormous weight pressed down on the knight's eyelids as she remembered her nightmare from years before. The armor plates, still strapped to her body, felt as heavy as stone. The sword in her hand like an anvil. Years before, Aveline could hardly believe it. Perhaps all she had experienced was nothing more than a nightmare. Her life before the void seemed very far away, as if it had been lived by some other person. She squinted through tired eyes at kind-faced Belle and tried to smile. A long time, Aveline admitted. She looked down at Faulon. The Lancer's breath was regular and calm. Draped on the bed's wooden corner post, the Blue Knight's cloak was ragged and in desperate need of washing. At her feet, Aveline's gauntlets and greaves were tarnished and covered in mud. Her king dead, her mission failed, her world in peril. Aveline could not help but wonder if the nightmare version of Roland had not been right all along. Perhaps she was indeed a horrible knight, not even worthy of the title. I think they've got a bath out back. No offense meant, but you look like a mess, Belle said cautiously. Aveline shuddered to imagine her appearance. Belle rose from his seat beside Faulon, 
picked up a candle, and walked into the dark room toward the back of the house. A wooden door creaked open, and a few moments later, the healer returned. I set the fire going beneath the tub. There's nothing more we can do tonight. You should wash, eat, and get some rest. Bell pushed a tangle of hair out of his own tired eyes and looked at Aveline. The knight no longer watched the house's door in rigid agitation, but seemed to stare at Falon in paralyzed defeat. The healer crossed the room to the tall wooden cabinet standing in the corner and opened one of its heavy doors. From within he pulled a pair of linen pants, a long-sleeved linen tunic, and an enormous gray woolen sweater. Belle stepped toward Aveline and held the clothing out to her. A nice frigid here. You'll need something warm. I doubt Celine would mind if you borrow them. Too big for her, anyway. Belle chuckled as he nodded in Fallon's direction. The knight looked at the clothes, stunned by the offering. She tried to remember the last time she had been without her armor. Aveline reached out toward the gray sweater and brushed her fingertips against the fabric. Thank you, Aveline said, the words quiet and heavy like a confession. <laughs> well, don't go thanking me yet. If whatever you're afraid of barges in while you're away, and it's me that stands between us and death, well, I can say with certainty a coward like me isn't going to be much help, Belle said nervously. It could be a demon, Aveline threatened. Oh, a demon! Fantastic! Haven't seen enough of those lately. <sighs> Belle's face went pale, despite his laughter. The knight cracked a smile as she stood and relented her tight grip on the sword. Aveline kissed her fingertips, then put them to Falon's clean cheek. Still unconscious, the girl mumbled an unintelligible barrage of expletives beneath her sleeping breath. The knight set her sword against the wall, beside Falon's shield and spear, and made for the warm bath waiting outside. It was a long time before Aveline returned from her bath. Hair wet, face flushed, the knight looked again like the young woman long forgotten beneath the armor. Celine's clothing was large for even Aveline's tall, well-conditioned frame, and the knight wondered if the dead guardian's daughter wasn't due for a growth spurt. The clothes felt soft on her skin, but despite her relaxed appearance, a small dagger protruded from the leather belt wrapped around Aveline's waist. Belle stood by the fireplace, where an energetic flame crackled beneath a black iron skillet. A pile of potatoes, carrots, and meat steamed in the pan as the healer tossed herbs and spices into the mix and stirred. To Aveline, the smell of the food was maddening. Her stomach roared with desire, her mouth salivated in anticipation. Wow, you look like a totally different person without the armor. Far more approachable, Belle remarked. How are you feeling? Better, I suppose. I apologize again for earlier. Much has happened of late, and I fear. Aveline trailed off. Belle flashed his broad smile and waved his hand in deference. I hope you don't mind. I set your cloak to soak in the storehouse basin. It should be clean by morning. Aveline nodded imperceptibly, 
her eyes fixed on the food cooking in the hearth. Belle laughed again. <laughs> Long time since your last hot meal, huh? Yes, Aveline admitted. Embarrassed without her armor, the knight blushed, then knelt and lifted the bow and quiver from the floor. I haven't much to offer, but please, accept this as repayment for your efforts, Aveline said. She thrust the gift out to Belle and bowed. The healer waved his hands in denial. That's far too generous a gift for a coward like me. I've never hunted anything larger than a hare, Belle said. His face grew sullen, his voice forlorn. And besides, the food and clothes and bath, they're all Fowlons, Celine's. I'm just here, where I've always been. I know some things, that's all. You keep calling yourself a coward, but what you've done takes courage. If you're such a coward, why are you helping us? Why are you doing any of this at all? Aveline challenged. Taken aback by the questions, Belle struggled to find the right words. <laughs> Listen, just because I'm scared doesn't mean I don't care. I have to help who I can, even if I'm not strong and brave like Fowlon. Or you. That's what Celine would say. And she was never wrong about anything. Belle replied. He turned his back on the gift to tend to the stew. You know nothing about me, Aveline said. <laughs> well, I know you're a fugitive knight from a time gone by, on a quest to vanquish evil. The young healer disclosed with a sidelong glance and a smirk on his lips. What did you say? Aveline muttered in confusion. She dropped the bow and arrow to the floor in a clatter, and spun to snatch her sword from the wall. She brought the blade to bear on Belle, who flinched, yelped, and stepped backward toward the fire. Who are you? How do you know any of that? The knight demanded. Whoa, wait! In the street with Garvin! I believed you! Belle shouted. As the knight drew close, her eyes filled with fury. Belle gestured toward the wall of books and scrolls. Aveline paused to look at the dusty, leather-bound volumes and faded, ribbon-wrapped parchment. There were more here than even Roland once had in his study, and Aveline guessed the collection had been in the family for generations. Belle stared at the shimmering blade inches from his neck and exhaled a tense breath to regain some semblance of composure. Please, Knight Aveline, I... I only want to help you and Fallon. The knight's eyes snapped back to Bell's, his face contorted in a rictus of fear. Aveline's sword felt massive in her tired grip, and despite the sudden squall of her rage, she felt no threat that justified the young man's injury. The knight dropped her weapon. Belle, there are few aware of what you just said. Aveline said as she looked down past the sword in her hands at the black wood bow on the floor at her feet. The knight stooped to pick up the arced weapon, then set it and Durandal against the wall once again. Belle touched his chest and breathed deep before turning his attention to the stone hearth and its boiling contents. The healer grabbed a ladle and two bowls and divided the stew between Aveline and himself. Belle held one of the steaming bowls out to the knight, who despite her hunger, accepted the new gift with only a silent nod. Bell tilted his chin in reply and sat, 
but Aveline stood as quiet as stone at the center of the room. Hey, I, I can understand your surprise, but hear me out. Fowlon's not so much of a reader. Her mother tried, but it's all weapons and training, and I'll kill you or get out of my way with her. When we were younger, Celine would let me take the books home, though. Bell trailed off and then frowned. Bowl in hand, Aveline still stood with eyes fixed on the floor. The healer rubbed the back of his neck like a nervous boy. Come on, don't make me dine alone. If you don't eat the food, I'm afraid your stomach will eat you. The knight's belly roared in reply, the sound audible above the crackling fire and winter wind outside. Aveline's face turned crimson. The healer held out a hand as invitation, and the knight reluctantly sat down at the table. The pair devoured their meals. Despite her previous embarrassment, Aveline released a contented sigh upon draining the last drop of broth from the bowl and setting it down. The knight knit her brows and bowed her head. Regardless of circumstance, my behavior has been inexcusable. Thank you for the delicious meal. It was... one of the best things I've ever eaten, Aveline admitted. Bell's face lit like a candle, and he smiled broadly at the knight. Consider it my thanks for helping Fowlon. Without her, I... Bell looked away, his own face now painted red. Well, anyway, the books. There's one I read a long while back. I think it's about you. It was even written by Celine herself. I could hardly believe she had the time to write so much. Things only got worse every year after Ixiel. More bandits and more demons. You saw the wall. But still, she believed in you, until the end. She never thought you a traitor, even ventured into Monticulus alone and saw the black statues. There's a lot of stuff here you might find useful. Aveline's face froze in surprise. To hear someone speak of Monticulus and the statues in so casual a manner was surreal. Bell sprang from his chair and crossed to the shelves. He scanned the book's aged spines, tracing them with his fingertips as he read their titles. One by one, he picked volumes off the shelves and stacked them in his arms. His lips fixed in a proud grin, he turned back to Aveline and piled his treasure on the desk before her. The knight watched the young man silently, her gaze growing indifferent and cold. Bell picked a book off the top of the collection and flipped through the pages. With a nod, he stopped and held it out to Aveline. There on the page was a crude illustration of shadowy crystal statues. The knight took the book from Bell and pushed its pages closed. She remembered then that she should by rights be dead and forgotten, nothing more than a footnote to history. Yet there she was, the living remnant of monumental failure and tragedy. The mark on your hand, it's in one of these books too, if you can believe it. A sigillus of something, as I recall. Belle's fervor was indomitable, despite Aveline's solemn posture. The sigillus immortalitus, Aveline whispered. She stared at the table beneath her elbows and traced the infinite maze of the wood's grain with her eyes. Without looking up, she drew the knife from her belt and sliced it across her open palm. Aveline winced. Bell gasped. The blood dripped onto the tabletop between them for a moment, then stopped. When the knight looked at her hand, it was healed and whole.
with only a few bright droplets as proof she had been injured at all. Bell's mouth hung open, his eyes wide. I... I can't believe it. Celine was right. Slowly, he reached across the table. Aveline held out her hand and the healer took it, brushing the healed skin with his fingertips. But how? That is incredible. Just amazing. I guess you haven't much use for me then. Aveline shook her head. Your kindness this evening has meant more than you can imagine. I am deeply honored to have made your acquaintance. Only acquaintances? After a night like this? Bell held out a hand in greeting. Pleasure to meet you, friend. The knight flinched at the words, completely taken aback, but after a moment, offered her hand in return. Bell smiled as they shook. Listen, I have to retrieve some more supplies for that one over there, but I'll be back before long, my new strange friend, Bell said. He stood up from the table and lifted a heavy leather coat from his chair beside the bed. Around his neck, he tied a gray woolen scarf, then slipped into his coat. And please, get some sleep, for Aurora's sake. Aveline smirked at Belle's appeal to the god of dawn and shook her head again. I don't believe, the knight admitted. <laughs> well, for her sake then, huh? Bell flicked his chin and fell on. Eyes closed, breath slow. She looked peaceful despite the blood-smeared sheets around her. The healer threw his leather satchel over his shoulder and pushed open the door. Small white flakes glided into the room on a burst of wind. Be careful, Aveline shouted as the thick wood door slammed shut. Fallon stirred but did not wake. The knight turned back to the table, which was covered now with books and scrolls, but she could not bring herself to explore those Bell had collected. Aveline stood and approached the library. Among the shelf of bound and dusty works, a thick, unmarked leather notebook stood out from the rest. Aveline lifted the notebook from among its peers and opened the pages. It was another of Celine's works. This one, however, featured dates above each of the single-page entries. Between the diary's pages were tucked notes, sketches, leaves, and more. Tangible artifacts of the Guardian's memory and experience. As she turned the pages, Aveline noticed the dates of the sporadic entries steadily climbing in years. The journal began but days after the night's fateful mountain ascent and attack on Monticulus thirty years before. From what Aveline could tell, Celine had watched the army's march from the shadows of the forest, fascinated by the quest. The knight's name appeared many times on the pages, couched in words of praise and aspiration. To think she inspired such admiration, even after failure, was unbelievable to Aveline. She shook her head and kept reading. The journal spoke of days spent training with her father and predecessor, attacks on the city, nights of celebration, unrequited love, and then a marriage. That Ixiel and demons were mentioned only in passing surprised Aveline. But at the periphery of each short story, each experience and memory, the night could sense the darkness spreading amid the lives of Selene and the people of Stonefall. She could see in hurried notes and exhausted accounts 
how the forest had grown more treacherous, how terror gained a foothold in the hearts of those she guarded. And yet, Celie never disclosed despair, never lamented her failures. As she grew as a guardian, the entries became more tragic, but they were punctuated always with moments of hope. The warmth of a bright day, the meat off a prized catch, the laughter of friends and loved ones. Aveline thought of Roland and his visit to the void, the laughter shared with Lark before his passing. Surrounded by abyss and evil, but still they persisted, unbowed, unbroken, unyielding to forces beyond themselves. Halfway through the journal and fifteen years after the first entry, a piece of paper fluttered from between the pages to the floor. Aveline picked up the page and couldn't help but grin at what she saw. An expertly rendered quill and ink illustration depicted a small family. A tall young woman with features not unlike Falan's stood beaming beside a gentle-eyed young man wearing armor and an equally giddy grin. Beside them, an ancient man, his face scarred by age and injury and a patch over one eye, smiled in obvious joy. In the young man's hand was a spear, in the old man's hand was a shield, and in the woman's arms was a blanket-wrapped baby. With water in her eyes, Aveline looked from the drawing over her shoulder at Falon and smiled. In the entry behind the illustration, a handful of words were written to mark the date. A beautiful girl, strong grip, strong eyes. Falon, our little wolf. The world is not what it was. But perhaps we'll finish what the Blue Knight started and retake Lucidus together. How I've dreamt of the city. Ixiel's days are numbered. This I vow. Aveline closed the journal, her eyes filled with tears. Water rolled down her cheeks and splashed on the creaking wood beneath her shaking feet. She glanced again at Falon, where she slept on the bed, then replaced the book in its slot on the shelf and wiped her face. In a drawer in the desk, the knight found a pot of ink and a sheaf of paper. She sat down, plucked a quill from a cup on the desk, and set to scratching on the page. In moments, the square of a window took shape beneath Aveline's practiced hand. Beyond the window, a giant statue stood tall at the center of the city, to honor the king for whom the capital was named. His massive head adorned with a crown, Lucidus held an enormous blade aloft in celebration of the primordial demon's defeat hundreds of years before. Countless times had Aveline watched the ancient king from Roland's study, and dreamt of victory and feats beyond reckoning. Countless times did she imagine herself a hero, triumphant and free. Aveline thought of home and sketched, eager to render the city of Selene's longing as faithfully as she could manage. The night's eyelids grew heavy, and the candles dwindled to waxy stubs. And as the sun took shape on the horizon behind the city, Aveline quit her struggle and with a smile plunged into the darkness of sleep. When Aveline awoke, she couldn't tell how long she'd slept. She opened her eyes to the bright winter morning light slicing through the window's shuttered glass panes. The knight's body ached from sleeping at the desk, but her vision was clear, her mind unclouded. 
She looked down at the colossal king in her drawing and touched the page with her sigiled left hand. The smell of bacon pervaded the room. Good morning. Seems you slept well. I had no demon attacks. Anyone ever tell you you snore? Even louder than Falon. She didn't have much here in the way of breakfast, so I brought some from home. Probably eats whatever she finds in a tree somewhere, Bell chided. He stooped beside the skillet in the fireplace, where he set to cooking another meal. Eggs and bacon sizzled side by side. Aveline's mouth watered again. The healer pointed to the knight's illustration with his spatula. That's impressive work. A knight and an artist, huh? Aveline nodded. She put a hand to her head and flattened the mess of hazel hair. My father would say, imagination is the key to swordsmanship. Without a mind capable of seeing what is and what could be, a sword is little more than a clumsy chunk of metal, an army but a mob. Illustration is among the many skills knights study. Quill and sword go hand in hand, so to speak, Aveline muttered as she rubbed her eyes. <laughs> a simple thanks would have sufficed. I take it a sense of humor wasn't among those skills. Belle laughed and Aveline glowered. But before she could reply, a blood-chilling scream pierced the cold morning air of Stonefall. A Night Adrift is written, produced, and narrated by Devin McKernan. Original music provided courtesy of Kai Engel and Chris Zabriskie. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Visit anightadrift.com to join Aveline's journey, follow us on social media, and be notified of new episodes, art, and stories. Thanks for listening. <laughs>